everyone. Welcome back to the In the Round podcast. You got Matt and Boudreaux. Tyler, what's how up? we doing? Doing well. How you we doing? Got, we got a friend here for the intro today. Gary, what's going on, bub? What's up, dude? I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, wanna, we got a cool guest on today. A guest that we had never met before, Tyler. Um, a guy that talked a lot. He was. Um, he, we went out and saw his Mustang. We heard it when he pulled away about five minutes later. Like He's he's a wild dude. His name's LB Shane. He's got a song called My Boy that's out on radio right now. But also, real quick, before we get to this interview, we got to tell you all about our friends at Trailside CBD Emporium. Our boy Andrew and his team, they can meet all your CBD, hemp, and Delta 8 THC needs. From oils and gummies to those tasty cartridges and that great flower, they have you covered. The carts are in stock. The buds there, all that. Boudreaux, you've been enjoying those CBD CBD products, haven't you? Yeah, I actually did the uh, barbecue sauce with the CBD oil. Hey, the there we go. It was really good. Hell yeah, yeah. We're getting ready to set up that smoke out. We got Joby and a few other guys on there. We're going to be doing a little smoke out with the uh, with the active oil, making some edible barbecue, which we're looking forward to. So we'll have that content coming for y'all soon. But right now, we're going to get to this interview. Y'all enjoy this one. It's our boy LV Shane on this week's episode of the In the Round podcast. All right, guys, joining us now here on the In The Round Podcast, we got our man, Elvie. Shane, LV, how the hell are you doing? Dude, I'm, uh, I'm doing good so far today. The day's still a little young. We'll see how right? it goes. Right? It is young Nashville time. Yeah, like, man. isn't it crazy? Like, because everywhere else, it's like 9 in the morning is 9 in the morning. But in Nashville, it's like noontime feels like 9 in the morning. Man, I'm so used to, like, where I come from uh, and the jobs I've worked all my life having to be up, you know. Most of the time, like, 6, 6 a.m. Is, is the time you got to get up. You got to be at work by 7 or 8. And uh, I moved to Nashville, and I started working with all these songwriters that, that don't start working until 11 o'clock, you know. So <laughs> I got to find stuff to do in the mornings because I still like to get up early. I don't really like to. I guess it's just part of my genome at this it's, point it's like a curse like it's just your body's used to waking up early and even if you don't got shit to wake up for it's like you're, you're still you're just up yeah man now there are days like today when uh my morning got canceled and i was like oh hell i believe i can lay here for a couple more hey, hours. Hey, <laughs> there you go. kind of the same thing happened to me i laid in bed till noon yeah man i ain't gonna lie i mean i just I, i'm usually up with my wife somewhere around seven six thirty to seven thirty in the mornings and uh Man, she's a boss. She's like up and ready to go, and it takes me a little bit every now and then. But yeah, you get some coffee in you. Yeah, you big coffee yeah. guy. Oh, dude, I gotta have the coffee. I uh, I used to smoke cigarettes, and, and uh, that was the, like the only thing I miss about smoking cigarettes is having my coffee. Oh, my bro, now I'm still on that kick. I'm oh, still on that Marlboro Light kick. Coming from New York, where they're like twelve dollars a pack to like. <laughs> Middle Tennessee, where they're like six bucks a pack. Like I, I got to get off of those. But there's something about the the cup of coffee and the and the and morning sit. Yeah, you know? man, there sure is. There's something <laughs> to be said for that for sure. But I, I haven't had that in a long time now. Well, good for you, man. That's awesome. Now you've been in Nashville. You were telling us since 2015. So growing up, you were in, you're a Kentucky boy. Mm-hmm. What kind of brought you here to Music City? Well, uh. Growing up, you know, the thought of moving to Nashville to be a songwriter or whatever, growing up where I grew up is kind of one of those yeah, right things. And uh, so I had a pretty wayward path between leaving my hometown the day after I graduated and getting to here. But I I hung up my guitar for like three years. I met I met the woman of my dreams and uh, moved to eastern Kentucky with her. And we were doing the family thing. And I was just, you know, working small town jobs and making ends meet. And she had a group of friends that had a band called Borrow Blue, and they were all some dudes from over in Somerset, 
uh, Monticello area, area of Kentucky. And uh, I remember the first time I met him, I was I was little uh, I was a little twisted, and uh, I went up and asked him to sing a song, and uh, I, I was just I was flat out belligerent probably, but uh, I went up and asked him to sing a song, and they're like, "We're not singing that song, dude." So I was like, "Screw these guys, you know? I don't like these dudes." And she convinced me to go to another one of their shows uh, later on, a couple months later. And the lead singer, my buddy Matt, he walked out there, and I guess he caught wind that I was. I wasn't really mad at him anymore, but it just had pissed me off at the moment. He's like, dude, I'm sorry if I offended you. I was like, no, dude, I'm cool. I only stay mad for about 30 seconds at a time, you know? <laughs> so uh, so he, uh, I went in there, and we went to a party at, at, at the drummer's house at night, another buddy, Brandon Davison. And uh, I grabbed a guitar. They'd been talking about Chris Stapleton, and I grabbed a guitar and, and started playing the guitar and sang Barely Alive, uh, old Johnson Brothers tune, and... They were like, dude, what the hell are you doing? You got to be playing our shows with us. So I started playing shows with the, those guys. One of them's dad had a condo down here, and he was coming back and forth, uh, you know, just writing and meeting people at Losers like we do. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he convinced me to come down here in August of 2015, Long, the long and short of it. And I've uh, been here ever since, man. Hell yeah. And 2020 has been a crazy year, like in terms of obviously all the, all the shit going on and all that and COVID and this and that and the other thing, but uh, you've you've got a song out right now that's doing doing pretty freaking well, man. Dude, twenty twenty's been a good year. That's what uh. I'm saying. It's it's crazy. Like even for for me and Tyler, we've we've joked about it or talked about it. Like that there there are some like silver linings and like just because there's all this other shit going on doesn't mean that you can't make the most of a situation. And like you've you've had a good a solid year career wise, music wise. Yeah, I've had a solid year, man. But I've also I've I've had a lot of people come on board. Like when when we started this year, my my team was was pretty small. I had uh you know I had my A and R dude over at the label. I was working hand in hand with him a lot. Uh, my booking agent, my publisher, and uh, my other publisher. I I like to call her my angel on the row, uh, Lisa Johnson. <laughs> this, this woman's been with me since pretty much since I came to town. That's man, how we actually got to meet you. Was oh, uh, yeah, was through guys, Lisa. Yeah, you guys were on the golf course, right? Yeah, I was working, uh, I think it was not this past Saturday, it was Saturday before, and we were sitting there, and I was doing the starter job, so making sure everybody gets on the course and plays nice with everybody and stuff, and she walked up, and she goes, does anybody ever tell you you look like Luke Combs? <laughs> And I said, about, at, 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 about, at about six, seven inches of height, and it's Tyler. Yeah, man. yeah, I said, about every day of my <laughs> life. Luke Combs yeah. wishes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and anyways, but yeah, we started to spark the conversation, and then she you know, told me about you and all, and what she did with you and stuff, and then I saw that my good buddy Will actually plays drums for you a little bit yeah, here and man. there. Yeah, man, Willie, uh, Hillbilly Willie. Hillbilly Willie. Willie. <laughs> Willie. Love to see that. That makes you think of Kentucky, huh? Hell yeah, man. <laughs> He's a, he's definitely an honorary hillbilly. That dude is dude. That's a hardworking kid, man. He is, man. I got a lot of great young dudes uh, in the band. Uh, it started with a dude that started playing with me like four years ago, five years ago. He was like seventeen, and this this kid. <laughs> I needed a bass player. A little story here real quick. Yeah, you, you Dude, I got me. stories for days. We're, we're Let's down. go. It's a podcast. Man, it, I ain't it, never it, been accused it, of being it, quiet. Hey, so. bro, it, it, ain't, it ain't radio tour where you, got, <laughs> where, you, where you talk for two minutes in a little room and then it airs like a day later. We're, we're talking about all the real shit. You got you got the floor, LV. No, Tell man, I, I love this kid. He's, uh, he's like my little brother at this point. Uh, this kid named Jacob Miller. I needed a bass player for a gig. We were going out to, um, what's it called, Fort Collins, Colorado, to open up for Aaron Watson. 
And the venue's, you know, 4,500, 5,500 people, I think. Place called Thunder Mountain out there. And I need a bass player. So this dude, he's like, hey, I, this kid played bass on these demos the other day with this artist I'm working with. Uh, you know, he's your guy. He's your guy. So he gives me his number. I call this kid. And he's like, Elvy, I seen you guys play at the Wild Horse last week. Hell yeah, man. I'm in it. Now let's do it. And I'm like, hell, I like this kid's attitude already. And uh, I tell him where... I tell him where everything's at, and and he signs off with, Elvie, I'll fucking be there. And I'm like, oh, Lord, this kid is ready, you know? <laughs> so I show up to SIR and, uh, at rehearsal, and I look back at the back of the room, and this dude's back here. He's got his little, you know, P-bass or jazz bass, whatever, bright green strings, Dia de los Muertos, like candy school strap, and a little PV amp sitting beside him. It's about 10 inches tall. And I'm, <laughs> I walk in, and I'm like, oh, Lord, what have I done? <laughs> so we have rehearsal, and he plays bass like a guitar player, you know? You, you, know, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. can pick it out, yeah. right? So I'm like, all right, so this dude's really a guitar player, but uh, but he's doing it, so I, you know. Everybody, everybody's got a story. Every guitar player has a story of where they took a gig playing bass and not knowing what they're doing. That's how I got on the worship team at church. Come on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, we get through practice, and I was like, "Man, you did good." I said, "But I think you should go home and and listen to people like you know, listen to Mark Hill, listen, uh, listen to Steve Mackey stuff. Go listen to Stapleton was really popular, you know, with that first record right then." So. I was like, go listen to that Stapleton stuff that's hot right now. Listen to his bass player. He's like, cool, man. So two weeks, he's gone practicing. We show up to leave, and kid gets in the in the van, and it's 21 hours out there with all our stops and everything. And he never said a single freaking word the whole time we were in the van. And I'm just like, damn, this kid is tripping me out, man. We get there. We play the show. He nails it. Sounds just like a bass player has been playing bass all his life, man. But he's just stiff as a board, scared to death the whole show. And me and my partner, we walk up to him after the show. We're like, man, Jacob, you killed it, dude. But what's wrong? You look scared to death. He said, that was my first show. His first show was for like 5,000 people, man. He sold his guitar, and tra- or he traded his guitar in for a bass right after he got off the phone with me at a pawn shop. He had never played bass in his life. Oh, boy. So, but now man, he's, talk about dedication, though. Yeah, dude. That, that dude's on it. And uh, So he was the first addition to the band. And then uh, Willie came next, Hillbilly Willie. And that dude, like... He's when he started playing in a band, I would I would jump on his Instagram and I see him all the time. He's just he's practicing, he's working, he's in the gym, he's taking good care of himself. He's he's like he's just driven, man. And uh and then with the help of Jacob and Will and Kyle Davis, another buddy of mine that plays keys in the band, we've we've put together a, you know, at this point a family uh, that's been through the ringer. Speaking of ringer, was that me? <laughs> Probably. No, it's all good, man. And that's and there's something to be said for having that family on the road. I mean, you talk about 21 hours and and doing it in a van. We we're with our crew, and we're usually out. We're eight guys in a van driving wherever, you yeah, know. Man. And you got you got to have it's all. You got to have a good be able to have a good hang, you know. There's no rooms for uh, what, what do you what do you always say? I say there's no uh, no extra room for egos. No extra room <laughs> for egos. Yeah. yeah. If you're gonna have an ego, you better be ready to turn right around and and be self-deprecating, you know, real quick too. So, 
Um, yeah, man, it, it's it, the brotherhood's really important, and I've always wanted to treat my band. You know, I've, I've seen plenty of hired guns out on the road, and I see the, I see the interactions, and I, I've always wanted my band to feel more like a cohesive unit and a family, and and uh, that's what we're trying to build here. Five years in the making, and I, I feel pretty good about this group of guys we got now. Hell yeah! So what was what was the last show that you were able to go out and play? The last show, man. Uh, we actually just got done doing like 135 shows. Um, we've been in, uh, we've been cooped up in a studio for weeks doing a little virtual radio tour thing. I say a little virtual radio tour, but but it was uh, this dude named Ron Fair came from came over here from LA like five years ago, and he's huge producer and label guy from from LA that has done all this stuff with like Christina Aguilera, the Pussycat yeah. Dolls. He's got Keisha Cole over here this week. He's like, come over here and hang out while we while me and Keisha cut some stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, cool. So Yeah. But uh no man, I, I don't know. I've been really lucky to meet some cool people like that. But Ron came over and he built this studio and and then he started thinking I think it was even before COVID came around. He started thinking, I want to get some video cameras and stuff in here. So then COVID hits and bap. So it's like perfect storm for his studio. And my label and him get hooked up. And they're like, we got to do a radio tour. We got to figure out how to do a radio tour. And I was lucky enough. I didn't think that it was luck when they first started talking about it. But I was like, I was lucky enough to be the, the first dude to get trialed this virtual radio tour thing. And uh, so we go in there in Ron's studio. It's called Faircraft, and there's like eight different camera setups. They've brought in like Aldine's lighting guy and video guy to come in and like set this place up and make it look sick. And we got my whole band in there, right? So it's all. And then they got this genius dude in the back corner, Mike. Mike Ferrona, I believe, is his last name. He's a songwriter and like producer, but he's he's real slick on computers too. So he was able to create all these crazy websites and stuff that we patched through, so that. If you're at a radio station, WKY, whatever, yeah. in freaking New Jersey, you can watch my show live, like, real time. No delay, like, maybe a second or two, if anything. But we got eight different cameras, and we got a camera guy that's switching between angles. You see the guitar player, the bass player, everything. So we do five shows a day, five days a week, for, like, six and a half, seven weeks. God. Like that, man. Yeah, it was a... I thought that was a sketchy idea at first. I didn't think I was going to be able to, like, you know, physically get through it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely physically taxing, uh, sometimes mentally and emotionally taxing. Uh, but I had the time of my life, and and I got to watch this band, this group of dudes grow in front of me. And dude, it was it was crazy, man. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Best nine. We went every every morning at eight. We started working at nine. Our last show ended about five. Best nine to five I'll ever have in my life. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't beat that kind of nine to five, <laughs> right, dude? That's what's that the was it. what's the worst nine to five you've ever had? Oh man, <laughs> thinking about back with thinking about back home in Kentucky, man. Or was it here? No, it wasn't here. Probably my my least enjoyable job. Was just working like at, at Moe's and rolling burritos for people. I had a really good time because I had my boys there with me. It was yeah. like me and all my friends pretty much had free reign of Moe's. That was our second home. I actually I like stayed in the parking lot for like a month one time because I was broken in college and everybody was tired of me sleeping on their couches. But uh, I would just like wake up, roll up, have some coffee, open up the back door with my key and go in and start prepping early, yeah. you know? Yeah, dude, my favorite thing at Moe's is the stack. 
Oh, the, the stack? stack? It's like the it's like the crunch wrap thing. It's like where mm-hmm. you roll it up and then it's got the crunch thing in the middle. You ever I, make those? I guess I'm the, I guess I'm you, OG most, man. No, it's your OG, just the burrito. So you're just Yeah, how you, old are you guys? I'm twenty five. You're twenty seven. You're twenty seven. So yeah, I I mean I guess I got five I got five more years on you, so yeah. <laughs> so I guess that could I could be considered OG Mo's. Yeah, see up in New Jersey we didn't get Mo's in, in New Jersey and New York until like Fairly recently, like probably like within the last five, six years, maybe. I'm down with most, but but dude, are you a Chipotle guy? I'm a Chipotle guy. So are we with the with, with, when you're on the road everywhere for the most part? There's a Chipotle unless you're really out in BFE. Like there's usually a Chipotle. We stop at Chipotle all the time, dude. I, I just like it because and I know we're we're getting off the rails a little bit, but I I love me some burritos. I love me some quesadillas, but but it's like there's just seems a little bit more. Uh, Fresh, I guess. Yeah, and and you got options, man. Like I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to turn things around a little bit. I'm 32, so I'm trying to get in in better shape than I, I've I, ever been. I, you can go to Chipotle and get good food. You can't, you can, dude. And the burrito bowl, I think, is the yep, way to go. That's it. Without yep. tortilla, and then you get you you say that it's to go, even if you're gonna eat it there, because then you put the little tin foil thing on top and you mix it all up, toss it like we, a little. We salad. haven't been going a lot recently because we've been off the road. But I actually saw an article the other day where uh, Chipotle is going to start charging extra for the burrito with the bowl like the burrito shell oh man because they figured out that hack of how people were making (laughs) extra burritos and stuff out of it so they're going to start charging the shells are now going to be extra oh man we're we're good to talk about food man we do that on here all the time hey man you're talking about that bowl our generation says the word carbs way too much but you know that bowl saves some carbs you know it does it does, but and it and it tastes good. You get if if you're a big rice guy like myself, you get you get your you get your amount of rice. You get your amount of chicken. You get I mean, you get, get crazy. Throw you get lunch cheese. and I you get, get dinner veggies. and lunch. You get fajita veggies. Yeah, dude. I get the double. I get double meat, chicken, and steak with fajita veggies. Sick, damn it, boys. <laughs> yeah. Y'all making me hungry, man. <laughs> Y'all making me. We're hungry. good at that. Where's your Where's your favorite spot to go to for Mexican or burrito stuff here in Nashville? Uh, what's it called down off like Hayes and 19? Las Palmas? Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. So Las Palmas is actually where me and Tyler got together and decided we were going to make a podcast. That's where the meeting took place? That's where the meeting. Yeah, we met the one that's off of 8th on, uh, next to that Kroger. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down like Bell Meat. Up up uh, by that Chick-fil-A that's always got a damn line around it. Bear Hill area. Yeah, I, uh. I've made some. I've made some business deals myself at Las Palmas. So. It's, a, it's a spot of business. It's a spot of pleasure. Good food. Good people. We so cheat the system, man. In the music industry, it's like well, let's go eat somewhere nice. We can throw that on our taxes. Hey, we made a business deal, exactly. <laughs> bro. Bro, that's how you got to do it. Hey, but you know? we really did. It yeah. was a meeting. It was a meeting. Stuff got signed. Hand, uh, Thanks, uh, hands, hands. It was pretty cool. We were shaking hands. You know, yeah. it's business. So shaking hands. What what do you mean shaking hands? Shaking hands. You can't shake hands, man. Yeah. Well, the, 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 in BC, <laughs> I don't want to lead you down that trap. I don't leave you down Before COVID. So are you a big, you a big sports guy? You a UK or a Louisville guy? Man, honestly, my, um, no. No? <laughs> I was going to try to make You're it. Just not I was, was going to okay. try to ease into it, but uh, not really. I mean, I got into sports a little bit when I first met my wife. Her uh, her little brother played basketball in high school, and they had a solid team, football and, and basketball team. Both went to state, and uh, so she was she was really athletic growing up. Um, 
So, of course, I had to be at all those games. So it's like you have no choice but to to start getting into it a little bit. But mostly I would just go and yell at the refs, you know. Oh, oh yeah. that's my favorite thing. Dude, yeah, I, man. I, I like to – especially hockey. Like being from the Northeast, I would go to a lot of like college hockey games and I would yell some shit. It was not good. So- like, I'm blind, I'm deaf, I want to be a ref. When I'm oh, getting on, I, I can't see, I want to be a referee. Get, 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 off right? your, get off your knees, Blue, you're blowing the game. Oh. Like, God, man, you know. like from the, wait, wait, I got that, 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 that heckler in me. So not a big sports guy. What do you like doing when you're not doing the music thing man i try to chill as much as possible but no i love to uh i love to be in the woods you oh know? so you're an outdoors guy i like to be in the woods but what i really like to do and what i do every day way more than i should is just drive i like to drive my car man i'm a car guy through and through you got that nice mustang don't you i well i, I appreciate it if you think it's nice i i like it pretty good you know i'm a mustang guy <laughs> all right good deal yeah i uh I've always been a Ford guy, you know. I know a lot of people like to hate on me for that, but first on race day, whatever. Um, this Mustang was is like the the physical thing that represents, uh, you know, me obtaining that little dream. And I always told myself when I when I got a record deal, I was going to go buy me one of these new body style white Mustang GTs. Little did I know that record deals don't really come with money like they used to back in the day. So. Yeah. I mean, unless you're into hip-hop or something, I've heard about those guys making, like, millions off top, but I can't... It ain't like that around here. No. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> so, dude, I, I I go, I get my record deal, and I'm like, whatever. I'm 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 making better money than I've, I've ever made in my life at and, this point. And, and when did you sign that? This was two years ago. It'll be two years ago in February. So, I, I was making money through my publishing deal, and my wife's got a good job, and... and and we're, you know, we're doing all right. So I'm like, I've never had a nice vehicle. I've maybe had three out of the hundred vehicles I've had since I was a teenager had air conditioning that worked for a little while until I hit a deer with it or something, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to get me a nice car and yeah. I want this Mustang. Treat so yourself. I've been working, Treat yourself. I've been working too damn hard. I want this Mustang. So no, I'm, dude, I can't wait for nothing. It's terrible. It's a, it's a disease. But I, I go to Clarksville because I, I seen this white Mustang GT on, on Facebook Marketplace. And I seen this older GT500. And I had done the math and I was like, okay, if I buy a car that's in this range of money, I can afford this. And I ain't going to have money for shit else, but I'll have my car, you know? Yeah. So I go look at it and they tell me, okay, here's here's what your payment's going to be. And I was just like, no, I'll see y'all, you know? come back to nashville i go to guitar center and there's a fender a white mustang a, a fender mustang guitar hanging on the wall and i was just like there's my new white mustang man this will have to do <laughs> so i give you know i paid whatever for this guitar i go home and i pop my laptop open right before i go to bed that night and up pops this ad of this car i'd been looking at the night before and i was like god dang it i looked down at my guitar and i was like this just will not do. <laughs> so I get up in the morning, I get a seventy-something dollar Uber to Clarksville, Tennessee, and oh, I buy this car man. and uh, show back up just in time for my ride with. Uh, I believe I was with Ryan Beaver and Aaron Essice that oh, morning yeah. over at Smack. So I show up revving up in my Mustang, you know, just hillbilly wild in the back parking lot of Smack, <laughs> acting like an idiot. But man, I I, uh, I haven't regretted it since. I love that car, and and it's just I don't know. It like I said, it kind of is the physical thing that that represents 
Because when you get into all this stuff, man, and you get going, just like your podcast that you're doing and stuff, it's like you always feel like this is what it's going to feel like when I start doing that, or this is what it's going to feel like when I get this many people listening to my, my podcast or my song. But then when you get into it and you've been working so hard, man, it just feels like, okay, there's that milestone. What's the next one? And it's like we never really take time to uh, – I, I guess I'm guilty of it. I don't know if you guys are. I'm sitting here accusing you of it, but I, I just figure it's human nature. Yeah, you know? no, it, it is human nature. It absolutely is for sure. I mean, there's there's certain things like when I when I moved down here, I definitely because for me the goal was getting to Nashville. I had worked in country radio up in Jersey before I moved down here, and I'm not a musician. I can play Smoke on the Water, like the beginning of Smoke on the Water. I just learned that like two weeks ago. And I think it's the coolest thing that I can do that because I I do not know. Everybody about- thought Smoke on the Water was Bro, the coolest I'm shit when they first figured it out. I think it's the dopest. Come on, shit. man! It's I'm awesome. Like, Hell yeah! So, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I I didn't move down to want doing the music stuff, but like now, like you said, as things are starting to grow and whatnot, maybe one day I'll get I'll get to that. That white Mustang level, like, well, I don't know what my car be. What was your first car? My you first about car. All these other cars. What was yeah, your let's first? Let's talk car? about some cars here, because I feel like me and you can really talk about some beers, I, probably. I, yeah, man. <laughs> I, my very, very first first car. I never like to admit this because it it didn't have the right emblem on the front of it. But my my brother in law back in the day, my sister's like ex husband. He had this little shit box eighty five S ten. With a 2.5 liter and a five speed, and <laughs> it wouldn't do over 45 miles, dude. So I buy this thing off of him for 500 dollars on credit. <laughs> I buy this thing for 500 dollars from, God, love and I, it. I gotta work on it because like the lights don't work, the brake lights don't work, nothing. Me and my dad. Luckily, I was pretty handy with stuff by by the time I started driving because my dad had had me had a wrench in my hand since I was like six but uh i get this truck going and it's my first experience out on my own man in the wild right so i'm on my way to litchfield our our county seat i'm gonna go cruise the loop you know courthouse to taco bell and back and i'm gonna squeal tires and shit because this thing won't run but 45 mile an hour but it'll chirp it'll chirp tires in every gear (laughs) and uh i'm on my way from caneyville to litchfield and i've come through this little community in, in, in my county called millwood and out of nowhere, this thing decides it's going to just lock up. Back in, locks up. Nobody's around, just me, driving down straight stretch. Back in, locks up. All hell breaks loose. Truck's spinning around the middle of the road. I'm thinking, good Lord, what has happened? <laughs> I don't have a cell phone or nothing, man. So I'm like, oh, shit. I, I, it kind of jumps around a little bit. I get it off the road, and I get out, and I'm just like, look underneath it. And I, like, check the gear oil because I got... I got my tools on me and stuff, and I'm like, all right, I don't know what that, there ain't no chunks back here or nothing, I don't know what's going on. I got back in it, and it took off just fine. I'll never know what happened in the truck. Anyways, every time I try to say a short answer, I go off on a tangent, but. No, dude, that's great. Oh, this that, is, you're, you are the dream podcast guest because you say a lot of shit. There's, you would, I say a lot of no, shit, dude, I don't ever say nothing, no. No, 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 no. You're, tell, you're telling a great story. Tell a great story, yeah, man. No, dude, you're, you're a hell of a storyteller. I think that, oh, that, that, that explains why, why you're here doing this music thing as a songwriter man. and as a country singer because nobody tells stories like country singers, you know, like. My dad was a truck driver. I'm just real full of shit, man. Man, I get it honest. Um, Love that. No, man, but I had that S10 just for a little while. I got rid of it, and my dad had like a 95 Ford F-150. It was a 
you know, white and red, the farmer paint job. Yeah. And uh, four-wheel drive, I had ran it into a tree when I was like 15 anyway, so it was like he was tired of driving around this busted-up truck that I ran into a tree, and and I got it, and I should have kept it. But then, you know, I seen a little Ford Ranger that needed to be, that had some 17s on it and was lowered and needed a primer job. Jumped in that thing. Do I hit deer in that Ford Ranger like three separate times? <laughs> like, how'd the, how'd the truck do? Well, me and my dad had to put a whole different front end on it twice. God. Yeah. And then I had to put a bed on it one time. Yeah, that truck went through hell. And then my buddy Brock Decker bought that truck and went and put a slick paint job on it, burnt orange, and put some, like, 19-inch wheels. It was a cool little truck after they got it away from me. I got in trouble for all the all the shit that I left under the seats. I remember that. My boys, I sold it to there. Well, I sold it to a couple other buddies, and Brock got it from them. But they were just like, dude, there's moldy donuts in here. Oh, man. <laughs> you a Krispy Kreme guy? Is that where you're getting your donuts from? No, man. I or like the like little, gas, or these like little, little gas station powder donuts. You know? <laughs> oh, man, a moldy powder <laughs> yeah, donut. Bad, oh, man. Shit's got to be yellow. They were mad at me. Damn. Oh, dang, dude. <laughs> I've had a lot of cars on, man. What? What? Give me a beater story. So my first car was an 88 Bronco 2. Oh, cool, man. And my grandpa was driving it home because I had yet to really get my license. He bought it like right before I turned 16. And... uh on the way home, he blew out the transmission seals in it. So we fixed the transmission, but it had an oil problem. So, like, it'll just randomly lose oil pressure. So, like, there'd be multiple times. I had, like, a little, like, Nokia, like, you know, pay-for-the-minute phone. And, like, I'm a in... Walmart special, baby. Yeah, I'm in, like, South Alabama <laughs> where there's hardly any service anyway. So, basically, like, I'd lose oil pressure and, like, have to, like, walk, like, a half mile and find self-service, call me, like, hey, we lost oil pressure, like, come pick me up. What would you have to do to get your oil pressure back up? Was it losing oil? Yeah, it was losing oil, it lose pressure, and then, like, the gas gauge didn't work, so there'd be times where, like, all of a sudden I just ran out of gas, and you're like, well, here I am, so bring me some gas, please. And then uh, kind of the same thing, though, where I transitioned out of that, and then my grandpa had an old 1990 F-150, the 5.8-liter V8 mm-hmm. with uh, the extended bed, dual tanks, all that kind of stuff on it. And I drove that truck for forever, and I love that truck. Yeah, 351. That was the yeah. 351, I think, the yeah. Windsor or whatever. That that motor was around for a long time. They're that, about to come back with a pushrod engine. Ford ooh. is uh, like a 6.2 or something that they're going to put in the Mustangs and pickup trucks. Hell yeah. And then I went through what I call my hoopty phase. Where I went face. through, I went had a through, face. Where I went through like a 1990 Buick Sabre. Is Hoopty politically correct? Uh, Who cares? Yeah, we'll see. And then I had like a 1998 Osmobile 88 that had like both of them had purple plush interior. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna find it because I had a 1980 Mercury Monarch, a red one. Yeah. And, and I had 20 inch five spokes on it, and I was bebopping around Bowling Green just like I, I put was 12s hot in the shit. back of that man, nose, yeah. man. Like, yeah, God, yeah. I don't. So I don't. I don't have necessarily a beater story. When I first moved down here, though, it was actually the night that I moved down here. So I don't drink anymore. I've been sober for 40 years. That's um, good, man. Dab, dabble within the greenery, do all that fun stuff. But um, so I was DD, and we had to go and pick up this kid Jacob, who I'd never met before. I drove 14 hours, and then had to go. 
we had to go pick this kid up from a bar in Spring Hill. Call him our residential redneck. Yeah, he's like he's he's red, man. He's red as hell. Um, but he had this old truck. I forget if it was a Chevy or a Ford, whatever. The the speedometer on it or the nothing worked on it, so you could tell the speed. He had a Garmin like plugged in, and that's how you had your speed. Yeah, it with was, the, with the GPS. Had a couple yeah, of those. With the GPS. So I've had a couple light, of those. One light didn't work. I had to drive this thing, and I, I was a little. I was a little got my Willie Nelson on, so I just moved here. I'd never driven an old truck like that. I had to drive it like three, four miles down the road. That was one, with, a, with a drunk Jacob saying, you got to do this, you got to do this. He's cranking. <laughs> you got to do this. He's pulling, got yeah, yeah, with a big old wad of Copenhagen <laughs> in his mouth, dude. It was. I got used to Tennessee real quick, you know? Oh, that sounds like favorite, the Tennessee I first met. One of my favorite things is my old Osmobile. The driver's side door wouldn't open from the outside. Oh, man, we've all had one of those. And That's so, a pain in the but ass. But to even open it up, like half the time it wouldn't open, but to open it up, you had to like hit the passenger side unlock button once, twice, third time, hold it for three seconds, and then it would open. Or you just crawl through the passenger side. Yeah. But that thing had like no headliner, and it got to the point where I literally had to take a bungee strap and like bungee the doors together so they would stay closed in the back. Like it was... It, Anytime yeah. you gotta get bungees out, you know. Yeah, you know, you gotta beat her. I was in college, so like, <laughs> Dude, you know, we you were. You had the one, though. You had that one truck you said would run out of oil pressure. So. Yeah. I had a 69 C10 I'd bought off this dude for a few hundred bucks. It was a piece, man. It was two, Beautiful trucks. 250 inline six, three-speed on the floor, long bed, two-wheel drive. This thing was yeah. a piece of shit. <laughs> but it was kind of cool because it was yeah. such a piece of shit. So, yeah. So I'm like, all right. I'm gonna drive this for a little while. I still have my little my little Ford Ranger, but I was like, I'm just gonna beat around in this little beater truck and put some white walls on it or something, and slam it and whatever. And uh, I was on my way home one night on a WK Parkway from Litchfield, and dies loses oil pressure. Well, it dude, it would drink a freaking quart of oil for every five miles you drove it. Yeah. So I don't know what to do. I did have a cell phone at this point, so I uh. I call Speedy, who's this cop in my hometown. Or I think I made it. Maybe I called the the actual sheriff's department and was like, "Hey, I'm broke down on the parkway between Litchfield and Caneyville. I need some oil for my truck to be, and I can drive right back home." So this is where Speedy comes in. Speedy, Speedy had written me my first ticket. <laughs> I ran Speedy and this dude named Kingfish, another another dude from my hometown. I ran them off the road on my way home in the red and white pickup truck. <laughs> And I thought, I seen that I ran them off the road coming around a curve. And so I was like, well, they're in the ditch. I can make it to high school. They'll never know who I was. That's some Dukes of Hazard shit there, Man, it was stupid is what it was. So (laughs) I take off up this 54, and I don't know how we got here. But Speedy, this is Speedy. Speedy. So I get up to Ray Pretty Road, and I cut across. And sure enough, there's a car stopped. There's a train coming. And I'm thinking about this car in front of me. I'm like, you idiot. Do you not know that there are cops after me? Don't worry about this train. Put your life in danger and get out of my way. You know. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm just like, oh god, maybe he won't show up. And then I hear, pull that mother over. And I was like, oh no, that sounded like a bullhorn. Well, Speedy has done pulled me over, dude. I'm like, this is my first ticket, so I'm scared to death. He pulls me over. He knows my mom and dad. He's like, man. He's like, I gotta write you a ticket. Kingfish was in there. You almost made me kill him. You know, he's in the passenger seat. <laughs> so he writes me a ticket. I work at a shop. I had to like work on their cop cars too. Anyways, all right, get back to the story. Uh, Speedy shows up, and uh, 
I'm like, oh, no, it's you. He's like, at this point, we're cool. So he, he gets me in his cruiser front seat, takes me to Walmart. We get some oil, and we're on our way back. And he's got all, you know, everything's on inside this cop car. I've never been in a cop car before, and I'm like, this is cool. And this car pops up over the hill ahead of us, and he goes, ooh, you see that? And he pointed, and it says, it says 81 mile an hour, or it says 81. And he said, that's that's radar. And back then it was 65 mile per hour speeds yeah. everywhere. And so he, he looks over at me and says, you want to see somebody's asshole pucker up real quick? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that means, but I, I guess. Oh, so hits every button on that thing and lights come on, everything comes on. This car slows down to like 58, you know, and it says 58 and he turns, he dodges towards the median, turns everything back off, gets on the road. And takes me in my truck and put on it, and I drive home. But I got to see what it was like to scare the hell out of somebody who's speeding, <laughs> which right I at. don't appreciate because that's usually me now that's slamming on the brakes, saying, "Oh God, am I going to jail or am yeah. I going to get a ticket?" But oh, man, oh man, dude, that that's awesome. So you you really lived the the country life, like you were you were out there. <laughs> yeah, man, Caneyville, Caneyville is a it's a real small town. It's, how, many, how many kids in your high school? Uh, we had a big, more than we had a big high school. You know, I, I would be lying if I said any number because I, I have no idea. But I know we were a six A. Uh, oh, yeah, geez. we were a one A. Yeah. Well, our <laughs> yeah. thing was we had. Imagine being a kid back then, and and this story is like seventy seven, and you've got four. I think there were four different high schools in my county. It's a pretty big county, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe the biggest county per acreage in the state of Kentucky, Grayson County. Um. We had, like, I believe either three or four high schools, and they all consolidated into one high school in the 70s. Could you imagine the fights and the and the bull crap that you would have to go through? Yeah, all those yeah. rivalries. Yeah, dude, because you had, like, Litchfield had a couple schools, and Litchfield's kind of like the, I mean, the equivalent of the of the city where I come from, but it's a small town, yeah. you know. And then you got, like, Caneyville and Clarkson, and, and we was holler boys from Caneyville and Clarkson. We was rough, you know. So throwing us in the middle of you know, these people who grew up pretty much in a different culture in Litchfield. But uh, but all those schools con- uh, came together and consolidated back in the 70s. So we it was a pretty big community there, you know, in, in the high school. I would say I probably graduated with – 300 people or so i don't know okay. yeah yeah no, we had yeah. 300 people maybe k through 12 like oh wow <laughs> he's, yeah he's been, yeah I'm, I'm i'm up in new york we had two two high schools in my one district and yeah. we each graduated 400 kids we each graduate like four or 500 kids a year really so that's new york I, I grew up like 30 40 minutes outside the city so so there's like people you probably didn't even really know in your oh, high school ab- absolutely yeah wow. there's people in my hometown i don't know i mean there was a lot of people in my school but i think i knew everybody yeah that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely knew everybody. Oh, yeah, at least knew everybody that came from. Yeah, oh yeah, Boudreau knew. Boudreau knew the lunch lady. Boudreau knew the knew the um, knew the Janet. He knew everybody. I'm sure. I I put it this way. I knew if there was somebody new walking down the hallway. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I might not know and talk to everybody, but I tried to talk to everybody, man. I I tried to be a social butterfly. I knew some of them didn't like me too. That was fun a little bit. You know, go to the side of the gym. You're not really supposed to. You know. You're not welcome here. Oh yes, I am. <laughs> Sounds like I'm going to make all your friends think you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What kind of music were you jamming to in high school? Man, I'm I'm a pretty old soul, I guess. I, I mean, I was jamming what everybody was jamming. My age, um, 
the the pop punk stuff was really popular okay. then, you know. Eminem was real popular. Hip hop in general was popular. I'm just an Eminem fan. And, yeah. uh, but I was still really listening to a lot of early Steve Earle stuff, John Fogarty. I was introduced to John Fogarty through his solo stuff in the 90s, Blue Moon Swamp, which then led me into CCR later on when I was a teenager and learning guitar and stuff, which I'm still pretty terrible at. But uh, I, you know, I I try, I try. But uh, no, that Steve Earle stuff is definitely a foundation. And I was still singing gospel every Sunday at church with my mom and, and stuff like that, hymns. So, so do you find that, like, singing in church and gospel has led more towards you wanting to do music? or I think singing in church gave me my first opportunities to sing in, in front of people and 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 develop uh, my voice a little bit, make me realize that I, it was an ability, I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but definitely it, it all led, you know, to where we're at now yeah. in some way, form, or fashion. Yeah, that's something I've noticed coming from outside the Bible Belt to down here. A lot of folks, they, they say, you always ask, hey, so when did you get your start? And they're like, well, I sang in church. Well, I played in church. Well, I mm-hmm. did this. Like, just the, the community factor, it's awesome that that, that opportunity is there. Because like, I grew up in, like, what's basically, the, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, basically mm-hmm. like the Catholic Church. But people joke that it's the Catholic Church, but you're allowed to smoke. That's, oh. the, that's, the, <laughs> that's the joke about the Episcopal Church. But, like, oh, we man. don't have, like, the whole worship band thing and, like... The music isn't like a huge part of it, and I've gone to start, gone to things down here and whatnot where they, where um, where like music's a big part of the service, and or or as I would say, the mass, and it's it's super cool to see, and like I yeah. wish we had that growing. What up. uh, what kind of denomination did you grow up? I grew up in a very very old fashioned strict uh, missionary Baptist. Okay, which uh, which is funny to call it strict because the whole thing is like pretty much. Once forgiven, all forgi- uh, always forgiven. You know, so it's like you can. The the belief is, I guess you can pretty much do whatever you want to <laughs> afterward. You're not supposed to, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but uh, no, man. We used it, to call that your you were uh, getting your fire insurance. Yeah, yeah. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. I uh, you know, I think they're all pretty similar where I come from. All the churches, there's little nuances, but I remember, you know, like my church would have debates with. Church of Christ churches, and then there was like General Baptist, which the only difference between us and General Baptist, I believe, was General ba- Baptist believed in in falling from grace, which meant you could lose your salvation. But yeah. I know uh, we don't re- typically typically get into religion in these kind of conversations, but it's a huge part of my my past, my upbringing. Um, I just started I started realizing really early on. I remember being young and going to church with my friends and being like, "Man, these people here believe." that they're just as right as we believe we are over here. And uh, it always really confused me. I was like, if this person thinks they're right and they think they're right and I think I'm right, then who is right? So it's been a, it's been cool to uh, to grow up and start getting a little bit older, being a family man, and start trying to explore those uh, those beliefs from from experiences and, uh, and my own convictions and stuff. That's been a, yeah. a neat journey to be on. Yeah, so you say you're a family man. You got kids? Yeah, we got one. He's 14. Okay. Uh, that's the one that the song My Boy is about. When we wrote My Boy, I'd been coming to town almost a year. Um, and he was, let's see, that's four years ago. He was about nine or ten years old. And this has been, it's a, it's a lot of back and forth, man, to Kentucky. Um, 
he's still up there. He's able to uh, he's able to be with more family and friends. And I was down here for two years before my wife or him started coming down here. I was down here for two years trying to make things happen. I was gone all week down here writing songs, meeting people, and then playing shows on the weekends that I was booking myself. So that was that was pretty rough. Uh, it was hard. It was hard on. It was hard on me. It was hard on family. It was hard on my my marriage. Uh, was a hundred percent faithful to my to my wife, but it's just the struggles of like being separated for so long. And and uh, you know, I'm sure she felt a little abandoned up there in, in Kentucky. But uh, I just knew there was something down here for me, man. I, I could I could feel it in my bones. There was something down here, and. Uh, just kept at it, and she—I uh, gotta give it to her, man. It's, that's a tough friggin' woman, dude. She is tough. Um, it helps to have a backbone, you know. Like, dude, yeah. she's her, the backbone for her, for her to be like to have that backbone support system. Whether whether you're a guy or a girl doing this music thing, you know, it, it's ta- it's taxing on, on you as as the artist and the writer. But it's just as taxing if you're hitting the road a lot, and especially if there's that distance in it there. It takes a very special person to love a musician. It yeah, really it does, yeah. And yeah. even even someone that does crew work like myself, you know, it's it's hard when you're when you're gone on Wednesday and back on a Sunday, but then you're just constantly going and writing and pursuing this dream like yeah and he's like a person I've, I've i've had to tell mandy and it might sound rude you know to, to people listening but i've i've got home after i've written two or three songs in a day and you know she's she's she hasn't talked to very many people that day or she might have been home by herself all day and she's wanting to talk and i'm just like honey i want to give you what you need from me right now but i think i've used my twenty five thousand words for the day i just can't do it you know so it's yeah. it's it's really taxing on on the on the brain to be out there writing, especially uh, that's that's probably, dude. Honestly, like writing is is probably the hardest part of all this. Yeah. When did you start writing? How did how did LV Shane go from being in Kentucky and doing you you told the story of that that band back in the day and all that? How'd you get into writing songs? Um, I think I probably started to try to write when I well, I know I started to try to write when I was like seven or eight. Just like walk, I remember walking around. I would like, I thought everybody's property was my property on Post Tousey Road when I was a kid. So I just <laughs> went wherever the hell I wanted to with a twenty two rifle and, you know. Did. Hey, man, whenever you grow up in a small town, you can do that. You can. Well, you used to be able to. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the county attorney had a really big farm right down the road from my house, and, and he's always been really nice to me. And I'm, I'm sure he knew when I was a kid I was traipsing around his, his farm lot, and he never did say anything to me about it, but. But I remember walking around those fields when I was young trying to string words together. And then I got in the band. I was actually at a General Baptist revival. My buddy um, my buddy Jeremy Carnes, his dad was the pastor there. And for whatever reason, my mom and my my aunts had been invited to this revival, and we, we were, we were going to go. We didn't really ever venture out of our denomination visiting churches, but we went to— I think it was called Sunny Point General Baptist Church this night for revival, and I was singing like I always do. I love to sing hymns, and Jeremy comes up to me after the service is over, and he's like, "Man, I heard you singing, and our band just lost a singer, and we got a show coming up at a VFW here in Danville, Kentucky, in two weeks. Can you come sing in our band?" So I went and asked my mom, and uh, I was really surprised. My mom, we didn't we didn't jihaw too well together at that point in my life, but I was really surprised. She was like, she let me do it, and she would take me to practice and everything over there on Sunday afternoons. But I learned like eleven of their original songs in a week. And we went and played the show, and then 
I was their singer from that point on, and we just started writing songs, you know, as as friends, and um, started writing more by myself when I got to college, and then where'd you go to school? I went to Western Kentucky University. Okay, the Hilltoppers, it's a beautiful right? campus. I love it, man. I I, I majored in uh, too much partying though, and ended up felling. <laughs> it happens, man. Yeah. It happens. I went for creative writing and English literature, and. I, I, that was that was definitely some monumental years in my life. You know, I met a I met a really cool professor up there by the name of Rick Thompson. I think he's still teaching up there, but he really uh, I don't know where where I felt like other people had always tried to get me to chill out a little bit. He he kind of pushed me to be more vocal about those things and and be a little risky with my my storytelling and stuff and a little I, I guess a little more vulnerable. And, uh, yeah, so that was cool. Through him, uh, he might not know how much he had an impact on my, my life as a writer. I, I don't know if he does or not. Maybe if I get a chance, I'll tell him one day. But, uh, yeah, I entered some writing competitions and stuff and, and won up there. And he he was just always real cool to me and pushing me to do better. So I did get what I needed out of college, I feel like. Yeah. That's what matters, man. Yeah, you man. Know? I mean, I got that and a lot of debt. So I didn't, yeah. need, I didn't need that part. <laughs> that's that's college for you, right? That was there. stupid. I had some. I had it, for the most part. I had it paid for after my first because I got on dean's list and I got this. I got some kind of scholarship thing. It was the first time I'd ever done good in school since I was in like fourth grade. I was like, hell yeah, I'm killing this shit, man. And and then I was like, oh, but you mean I can still borrow money? I ain't never had money. Yeah, I'll take that too. Oh, so, no. <laughs> yeah, man. Wormhole. Yeah. So when um, what was your first experience writing here in Nashville like? Because you mentioned publishing. Um, who's you have a pub deal currently, and like how's that experience been? Yeah. So I was talking about all those guys earlier, and um, R.J. Romeo's guy, um, Romeo Entertainment. They've been around for a long time. They started way back in the day. I think his grandfather started the company, uh, working with the circus and stuff, and it's transposed over into this talent buying agency that that buys talent for fairs and festivals all over the United States and helps uh helps build fair or festivals and and everything so I've got to be a part of some cool things through him but it's it's such a cool venture to have him on board as a publisher and be an award-winning talent buyer um I I came down here like I said, in August 2015 with my buddy Matt Cooper and started writing with some people he had been meeting at the bar and uh losers you know if uh i don't know if that's the place to go anymore but when i first came to town you went to losers every day after you write to meet other writers yeah and uh, yeah it's still losers or red door now still yeah so yeah. same thing that's good man it's, it's a good program it worked yeah i uh i i went off the rails a little bit every now and then spent too much money at the bar but it, it paid off and i met some guys that i started writing some great songs with my very first write in town was with my buddy Matt Cooper and a guy named Nick Columbia, who's also a co-writer on My Boy. So we wrote a song called Whole Pie, I believe. Uh, might have been our first co-write. So, whole, and it's W-H-O-L-E. For whatever reason, when I say that, everybody thinks I, I'm saying I hope I something. That, you know, whole, whole pie. Whole pie. It's that. It's that hillbilly. I was gonna say it's, the, it's your country coming out. So, okay, yeah. a lot of times, like I'll say something, and Matt will be like, "What are you saying?" And I'll have to spell He's, it. He says "wandering," and it sounds like "wondering." Like yeah, my wandering. Instagram is I'm just wondering. a wandering Tyler. Yeah, it's yeah, wandering yeah. Tyler. But it sounds like he's thinking, not like he's wandering. I, I get it. You know, 
I'm learning. I'm learning to decide. We're just not as you. distinguished, man. Yeah, man. It's that hillbilly speech impediment. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real thing, man. It's, it it's, really is. It's it is. it's bad. It's a curse sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I get I get called out for boomhowering people all the time. Boomhowering? <laughs> what's that? He knows exactly yeah. what I just said, and I know exactly what yeah. he just said. Exactly. Oh, I got I got to get better. What is it? Like, what do you say? You're, you're, I'm saying something. You're, you're not saying. You're just saying trying shit? to sound hey, like you we're sound. A store over there, man. We only use diet pepper, some something like that. <laughs> Damn. Listen, man. What the hell did you just say, boy? <laughs> Kentucky and Alabama, man. We don't finish our words, and we yeah. we mumble a lot, man. Yeah, but but I've hey, rarely ever used a G on the end of a word ever oh, in my yeah, life. No, but hey, if you ever want to think that we're bad, just go to Louisiana and start speaking to the Cajuns hey, and Creoles. When I'm writing songs. I call my buddy in Louisiana. If I can't make a word rhyme, I'll call my buddy in Louisiana and say, "Hey, tell me how to make this word, these two words rhyme." And they always get it. Yep. <laughs> them, C- them Cajun coon ass folk down there in the good old Louisiana. We oh, love them. Man. Where's your favorite place you've gotten to go and play a show? Hmm. I would say honestly, my favorite place. I mean, I love my home state of Kentucky. My favorite place. Is Texas? I love Texas. Amen. Yeah, Dude, we love Texas. I'm too. actually flying out there in less than 48 hours. I'm going down there in December as long as we can pull it off in a safe way. Yeah, I'm gonna go down there and uh, and meet what some part? folks. Uh, Austin area. Okay, cool. I'm going to Austin and heading over to Truscott and gonna do some deer hunting on a ranch out there. Oh yeah, nice. there you go. Yeah, I like Texas a lot, and Texas is great too because for me as a merch guy, they buy a shit ton of merch. Texas folks, they support, Dude. and and if you're they support the genuine kind of stuff too. Like I know there's always been this Nashville, Texas kind of kind of thing or whatever. Especially like the Red Dirt guys, you go back to like guys like Randy and Wade Bowen and all those dudes. And um, but I mean that's starting to go away a little bit. But Bucky's. I, I know you've been to Bucky's if you've been to Texas. Mm-hmm. You haven't been to a Bucky's yet? No. You got you to gotta make that It is a magical thing. land so it is, that you will spend way too much money at. Okay. It is the best spot if you're ever on the road and you're in Texas. They're talking about possibly, I think, putting one in Tennessee. No, not Tennessee. Or they're, in Alabama. They're, they're putting one in Birmingham, a little bit east of Birmingham. What is so, magical Bucky's? So it is a <laughs> magical Bucky. I like that. So it's a gas station the truckers are Oh, not. yeah, but they get the breakfast tacos. Is that it? They got breakfast tacos. They got brisket. It's, it's the they got, size of a Walmart. They got Wal- the barbecue place yeah. in the gas station. Bro, bro, I have. Bro, it's like the size of a Walmart. Dude, they're amazing. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. I, didn't, I forgot what they, they got were the be- They got the beaver. Yeah, The beaver logo. And they got, they got these amazing breakfast tacos. Yeah, they're dude. so good. They are amazing. The first time I ever made it to Texas, I'd been up for like 18 hours driving. <laughs> and I remember getting gas there and getting like these two... I can't remember what kind of tacos they were, but I thought they were the best tacos I'd ever had in my life. Dude, so. kolaches there too. Have you ever had a kolache? Well, what the hell is a kolache? So it basically, <laughs> like, think of like taking a biscuit mm-hmm. and then putting meat in it and wrapping it around and, and, then, and then cooking it. it. So like you can like put everything like like one of my girlfriend's favorites is the. Uh, Wait a minute, how many girlfriends you got? I got one. I got one. <laughs> okay. I got one. Back up, son. She is, the way, she, she the is way, from the way you said that. Sorry, you sound like Big Papa over here. I'm start calling you Biggie Smalls. My girlfriend's <laughs> favorite kolache is a uh, jalapeno sausage kolache, cheddar 
with cheddar in it too. Bro, he smuggles Bucky's brisket. The dude gets stopped at oh, TSA yeah. and they open up his suitcase. Like, what the hell is this? And it's like a pound of brisket from uh, Bucky's. It's two or three pounds, <laughs> or whatever. Three pounds, he smuggles <laughs> three pounds of brisket from from. Bu- That's how good Bucky's is. And then Whataburger oh, is the other one. Oh my god, Whataburger, Whataburger. Did out. you hear? Did you hear the news? Ooh. What? They're they're getting ready to. Possibly, I think I think it might be confirmed. Hermitage, Hermitage, sick. Whataburger yeah. in Hermitage. That's some good R- stuff. You know what else Hickory. is really good? A lot of people don't realize it, but it's it's the equivalent of Whataburger um, to me. It's Freddy's. You ever had a Freddy's? Yeah, I see, have. I, I, so good. I like Freddy's. I love Freddy's. I, I like Freddy's. And the other one's my Freddy's was a bad experience. What is it? My my experience with Freddy's was a bad one. So oh no, he's he's a he's such a picky eater. For a big dude, he's probably the pickiest eater. I, ever I had it. So last year, me and my girlfriend, my girlfriend flew up here, and we did the Bourbon Trail a little bit, and we had one of the Freddies up there. Uh huh. And it just it just wasn't good. It I hurt don't know. You. I felt like the it the weight you, didn't it? the weight staff should have been in a Waffle House. I felt like did it put that like koi pad tie hurting on you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Be careful with that. Yeah. Also, we've been I've drinking for like three days exactly straight. I was on my phone. Koi pad tie feel. Yeah, man, I was on the phone with my, with my dude Luke, uh, Luke Preston, like last week. Um, he's like, "What are you doing?" He called me one night. He said, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm eating some pad thai." He's like, "Oh, where'd you get that?" And I was like, "Koi." He's like, "You ever had it before?" I'm like, "No, man, it's pretty good." He's like, "Yeah, it's real good today." <laughs> he said, "Wait till tomorrow. We'll, we'll see that tomorrow." tomorrow. No. Yeah. God. He called me the next morning, and I was like, "Got me, got me." <laughs> Yeah. What a shitty conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, man. So what do you got going on? So you said going out to Texas. What do you got the rest of what we've got left of 2020? We don't have a lot left in 2020, but or even for 2021, what do people got to look forward to? I know you got the single out now. What what do we got going on? Dude, so we got the single out, and I was... I was super against putting my boy out as my first song. Really? Yeah, that song's been around for a while. So you know, a lot of people it's to a lot of people it's new. But I've been singing that song for four and a half, five years now. You know, and which I I still knew I wanted to sing it. But a lot of this stuff that we've put together, every other song that's been that's on this project that's going to come out is has been written after February of last year after my record deal. Up to that point, I was always writing songs with with my boys. We were always just trying to write good songs and and hoping maybe we could get a great song in there, you know, one one day. But after the record deal, I I, I came to the realization. Well, I kind of got slapped in the face. I went in for my first in a good way. I went in for for my first meeting with uh, the A and R staff and John Loba, who had signed me over there and at BBR and. They had just done this merger with BMG. It was a really cool time to be signing over there because everything just seemed like it was growing. They were getting a new building and super exciting. But I went in for my first meeting, and they were like, LV, we feel like you got one song, man. And I was like, I feel like, I didn't say this, obviously, but I was like, I think y'all are full shit. I feel like I got plenty of songs, you know. And uh, that was just, again, no room for ego, right? So uh, I was on the bus with no room for ego in that moment. I uh, just didn't realize it yet. And I got back home, and I thought, man, I've never had an opportunity. I'd been in a duo uh, with one of my good friends for a little while, and, and I'd just been trying to kick around any opportunity that would come around. And I got home from that meeting, and I was like, I've never had an opportunity such as this one to really try to hone in on who I am, what I want my sound to be. Like, this is it. This is what they want me to do is is find that. So uh, kudos to the team over there at BBR and and to uh, Chris Poole, my A&R guy, who, who was 
pretty much fresh meat at BBR. He just got signed on over there as A&R um, with Sarah Canaby, uh heading the A&R team up over there. And Chris really pushed me, man, to to get get some stuff that we would be proud of. He's he's been a really big part of of this music that y'all are gonna hear. But I say all that to say this. 2020 happened we've been working so hard on this record and a lot of this stuff is 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 definitely very raw very so, so, so is, it a, is it a rec- record or ep um tbd man tbd okay yeah i'm, Copy that. I, I got I'm you. old school i love i love records but it's so hard yeah. to keep people's freaking attention I know. right yeah, now dude absolutely and that you know that's why you know so covid happens we've i've got this project ready i was ready to put an ep out i thought at that and then, time and then tore the ep yeah i wanted to do tore, that yeah wanted to do that but then when covid happened i'm like and then it's like all the social unrest all the election bs yeah all all, all the racial tension going on it was just like there was so much negativity in front of my face every day and um i thought one day I was like, my team was had been adamant about putting my boy out, and I really wasn't fighting him. I was just like in the back of my head worried about it. And I was finally one day I was like, man, you know what? There's not a better time in the freaking world to put this song out. And maybe, just maybe, we can cut through some of the BS. There's a lot of things that people need to be paying attention to right now and, and paying real close attention to, but there's a lot of bullshit too and i just wanted to cut through the bullshit and distract people from that part of it for a few minutes at a time and uh you know man that that's what the song's doing so it's it, it's cutting through we're getting an amazing response from from people on social media to people on radio have, have you have you had any fans that have like hit you up and been like this thank you for writing this song because it seems like one of those songs where it's really going to hit home for some folks like it did for you yeah. you know and you wrote it yeah, dude, I uh, I take time every day to answer multiple people on, on Instagram. Um, if if you're listening and you want to reach out, then Instagram usually is where I'm checking messages and, and answer them. Every now and then I'll go over to Facebook and, and answer some. But, um, yeah, dude, I get a lot of people uh, reach out. It's it's really cool. I get some people who send me huge stories. Some people just say thank you. Some people say, damn, I wish this was about a girl. And, uh I got a lot of those for a while. So we went in the studio here a while back and did an acoustic video for YouTube uh, singing My Girl. Changed all the pronouns for those folks, too. Yeah. So that'll be coming out soon. But, uh, no, man, I love the way things are going. I don't see any point in putting another song out right now with this song doing so much and, and affecting people the way it is. I don't want to distract it in the least little bit. Um, you know, that's that wasn't always how I felt, but that's how... Some members of my team have felt for a while, and uh, I, I believe they're they're in the right thinking that way. With this particular instance, I'm not saying that people that are putting all their music out right now are wrong. I'm saying for our particular situation with this song, it's working, and I, you know, we'll put more music out when we've got a, a bigger following and and uh, and the time feels more appropriate. Hell yeah, man! Well, dude, it, this has been an absolute pleasure. This is our first time really meeting you. You're you're welcome anytime, and uh, we'd love to get you on a writers' round sometime and get you over at Live Oak, which I believe is one of the first spots that I believe like you play. Hasten from Live Oak was saying something. What was it about Hasten? Who owns Live Oak was saying something about how you had gotten up and played my boy like right right when you guys had first released it. 
Uh, uh, yeah, though. so we had just released it. I was in Murfreesboro doing a TV show thing uh, called Jimmy Bowen and Friends, and Russell Sutton called me, and yeah. he was like, hey, man, um, I go on Live Oak in 30, 45 minutes. Uh, why don't you stop by and sing My Boy with me? And I was like, dude, it's perfect. I'm on my way home. I got to go right by there anyway. So, yeah, I popped in right after we, were, we oh, released yeah. it and played it. But, yeah, I'd love to do that, man. I've I've had a good time with you guys. This is awesome. I'm uh, pretty sure this is the first podcast I've ever done in my life. Hey, so. hey, yeah, man. There we go. And um, so we did, we know you didn't bring a guitar with you. We got quite a few sitting here. You want to you want Would you mind playing a tune or two for I us? wouldn't care a bit, buddy. Hell, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you guys for listening. Tyler, another one in the books. Yeah, man. Yeah, and uh, and as always, guys, make sure you check out our boy LV Shane. He's got that big hit out right now, My Boy. It's a song that's going to make you feel a certain type of way. It's a special song. Go out there, stream it, request it at your local radio station. Do what you got to do. Follow him, LV Shane Music, on Instagram. That's it. Pretty much everything is at LV Shane Music. Hell yeah. You'll go, y'all go check him out. Um, and uh, make sure you guys follow along at In The Round Podcast on Instagram, In The Round on Facebook, In The Round Pod on Twitter. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Five stars only, baby. Let's go. Five stars, baby. And, Five uh, stars. As always, shout out to our friends at Trailside CBD. Hop on there. Use the promo code ITR. 20% off your CBD Delta 8 THC and hemp oils out there. And uh, also shout out to Whale Tail Media. Now, without further ado, it's our boy LV Shane with some tunes for y'all. You've been listening to the In The Round Podcast. I got a public education, but it didn't come from class. It came from long rides home on the bus in the back. We would learn how to cuss from high school kids. Throw a punch, take a punch, steal a kiss. Yeah, she had two years on me the day I turned 16. I had a fox body Mustang. She had a body like a dream. We ran on young love, good music, cheap gas, and lame. Found out she'd still go too far even when the tank's on E. Here's to the lessons that don't come cheap. To the long lost lovers in the shotgun seats. Here's to the wild and the restless souls who got the street smarts running down them county roads, county roads. That wrench in my hand sure put a wrench in my plans, but daddy said good help was hard to find. I guess I stood her up on too many Friday nights She ended up in the truck with a buddy of mine Yeah, here's to the lessons that don't come cheap To the long-lost lovers in the shotgun seats Here's to the wild and the restless souls Who got their street smarts running down them County roads, county roads County roads Here's to the hurt from that first thing over Had us all swearing we forever stay sober Here's to the scrapes and the dance and the scars On our boots, our cars, our reckless hardship Here's to the lessons that don't come cheap To the long lost lovers in the shotgun seats Here's to the wild and the restless souls Who got their street smarts running down them County roads, county roads, 
always playing jacked up and out of tune. He ain't got my smile that don't bother me a bit. He's got somebody else's eyes I'm seeing myself in. I'm holding on to every moment God knows I missed a few The day we met I knew I had some catching up to do He ain't my blood, ain't got my name But if he did I'd feel the same I wasn't there for his first steps But I ain't missed a ball game yet And that ain't ever gonna change I can never walk away Yeah, he's my son And that's my choice He ain't my blood But he's mine He's my boy He hit me like a train The first time he called me dad In a three-stick figure Crayon picture With all of us holding hands Mama said I understand if it's too soon for this I didn't let her finish, I took it to the kitchen And I stuck it on the fridge, He ain't my blood, ain't got my name But if he did, I'd feel the same I wasn't there for his first steps But I ain't missed the ball game yet And that ain't ever gonna change I can never walk away Yeah, he's my son And that's my choice He ain't my blood But he's mine He's my boy He's Saturday morning cartoons He's aching to sleep in your room He's bigger than the plans I had He's making me a better man he ain't my blood, ain't got my name But if he did, I'd feel the same I wasn't there for his first steps But I ain't missed the ball game yet And that ain't ever gonna change I can never walk away Yeah, he's my son and that's my choice He ain't my blood, but he's mine He's my boy Yeah, he's my, he's my